Hey guys, it's Ben here with the Half Court Heave podcast. I'm here with my co-host Isaac and Arjun. Um, but anyways, um, before we get into the action, I have nothing else to say, but you got to get your merch. It's beautiful. We have new merch that's out now that says shut up, Ben. If you ever want to tell me to shut up, a lot of the Instagram comments are telling me to shut up. Purple shirt guy, shut up. And I mean, <laughs> if you want a mask to tell me to shut up, you should get that or a shirt or a hoodie. We're selling those now. Um, and I'll, and I'll appreciate it. Cause I get the dough. We get the dough. But anyway, right, guys, Isaac got his first hoodie. Fortunately, he's not I wearing it right now because it's, it's in the it's, washer. It's so please. it's so comfy, like it's crazy comfortable. It's super warm, like it'll keep you warm in winter. The color is great. It's like such a good quality hoodie for the. Bro, it'll make you hibernate. It's I can't. Even, I can't even lie. It's just so comfortable. Like I wear it all the time. But anyways, um, just an introduction topic. Just before we get into like the real arguments, um, just our thoughts on Game Four. Now, I have some things I want to say about Game Four. I'm sure you guys do too, but um, Arjun, I bet you want to start this one off. You know, we, we I honestly thought the Heat were going to make a comeback during, um, during most of the game. I, think, I thought they were going to have most of the momentum, but you know what? Looks like Anthony Davis really stepped it up, and, you know, he played really well. I think that this is probably a done deal. Sad to see Anthony Leca and, his, and other Heat fans go out this way, but you know what? It's, it's, yeah, it is what it is. It was a Cinderella story, but I think the Lakers are just like proved that they're just they're too big. There's, there's not yeah. a lot you can do. I just think I think like the main thing I took away from that was I hadn't really like I had watched it. I had sat down and watched most of the other games, like most of the parts of them. I watched this entire game. I took all my attention off other things. I did not know how much Rajon Rondo means to this team. He is so incredibly yeah. valuable past what you can see in the stat sheets. I mean, like, he, he scored one bucket in the entire game, and it was when the game was pretty much over. But, I mean, every play he was locking up, whoever was in front of him. But also, I mean, he had seven rebounds, and there was this the deflection after deflection. He goes for the ball so much. He disrupts so many passes. He's just so valuable to this team. Um, you could obviously see the refereeing was not good. for. I mean, but also it was like you can't blame the game on the refereeing because it went both sides. I like mean, the first, Miami Heat did have multiple chances. Yeah, in the, in the, yeah, first, half, in the first half, the Lakers only shot three free throws. Of course, LeBron wasn't happy. But then in the fourth quarter, the Heat shot their first free throws with like two minutes remaining. The Lakers shot like 14 in the fourth. So you can't really blame the game since it goes both sides for how the refs were going. But I think the main takeaway for me was, man, Rajon Rondo was really, really, really important to this team. Um, but I'm glad that KCP stuck, he finally showed up. Danny Green was improved than from last game. You know, two for six. It's not bad. Two for six He's is a getting start. Getting better, getting better. Like, he hit some good shots. And KCP was really the big vocal point because he was their third star. He scored 16 and five. And Isaac, I'll pass you on for your thoughts of this game. Yeah, I think LeBron played – AD played a lot better. LeBron actually did not play bad in game three. But also, I mean, this is so significant for the whole series because two-wall is such a huge difference from 3-1. I mean, two-wall, two your, your season is tied. Like, the Miami Heat have a big chance to come back, especially with, you know, maybe they can get some of their players back that are injured. And I think it's really disappointing if you're a Miami Heat fan because you have Bam out of bio back. If you're looking at a two-wall series right now, it's not looking good for the Lakers. Especially with Goron back probably next game since they have a three-day break. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. So, yeah, if you look at that, and then you have Bam back and Goron back, and then you're two all with the Lakers, and the momentum, not only is the momentum on your side, if you, in that situation, you had won the past two games, but you're also getting these players back that are so pivotal for your team. Jimmy's already had an incredible game, so you know he's hot. These guys are coming back from an injury, and it's two all, as opposed to the Lakers have momentum. You know, they did not, the Heat didn't play all that great. The Lakers, the Lakers played great defense on him. They have momentum and a 3 1 lead. It just doesn't look great for them at all. And that's such a big, this game was so pivotal for the whole series. Yeah, but generally we all it was just generally a good game. By the way, it was I think it was the best game of the final so far, and that was good for viewership because that was just generally like keeping your eyes peeled because the game was going back and forth and back. It was and very forth. close, yeah. Really, until like AD hit that dagger to make it a seven ten point game that it really went to yeah. a Lakers momentum. So 
without further ado, let's get into our first topic. And man, this is a spicy one. I feel like the people listening, not just us, will be offended by whatever the other people say. Um, so let's start off with which... Um, wait, no, actually, I messed that up there. This isn't the spicy one. But which current NBA duo is the best duo for the future of the league? And by that, I mean, which duo will be the best duo for the future of the league? Which duo will be the best for years and years to come? Um, actually, I'll start this one off. I think it'll be Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And I think it is a close match. I think there is a lot of sides you can take. But I think the fact that they complement each other so well, they play such similar games, but they can still be on the court together. Their egos mesh together because they were one year apart in drafting. They seem to be good friends and they can play really well together. They can play in any system. And I just think they're the future of the league, but I think it goes either way. I think you could pick Luca and Chris Dapsley. You could pick Jamal and Jokic. You could really pick a lot of duos here. But um, anyways, Isaac, what do you got to say about this? I think so. I'm really surprised you said that, Ben. And I want to hear more about how much you love the duo and the Celtics, like, you know, just in love with them. But um, I think it's pretty obvious here. And I and if you're going to attack me for recency bias, that, that's that's BS. I think it's undoubtedly Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. They are a super young duo. They played, they've both advanced their games recently. So Jokic was an all-star. Jamal Murray had this incredible leap in the playoffs that I think definitely is going to translate to the regular season. But also looking past stats, we can go to stats if you want. Really quickly to go there, uh, Nikola Jokic. He averaged around 25 points in the playoffs, seven assists, and 11 rebounds as a center. I mean, that's that's incredible stats. Then you look at Jamal Murray, 24 points, uh, almost six assists, and um, and five rebounds. They, they are an incredible duo, but I really want to focus in on their pick and roll. These guys are both versatile. And the reason I'm picking them for the future is that three-point shooting, as the league has gone on, every year three-point shooting has become more important to the league. So you're seeing less three, you're seeing less like true centers. You're seeing more passing centers, more shooting centers. Every guy's got to be able to shoot on the court now. That's how it. That's how the league is becoming. You're seeing kit. You're seeing players taking longer shots yeah. from farther away and crazier shots. And Jamal Murray can shoot, and Jokic can shoot. But that's even more dangerous because Jokic is the best center in the NBA right now, and he's lethal in the post. And both of them are great passers, as their numbers show, and if you watch them. And their pick and roll is deadly. And their team as a whole fits very well around them. So undoubtedly, they're definitely the best upcoming duo. Now, I agree with most of the stuff that you said, but also I think I I can't yet pick the Nuggets to have the best duo in Jamal and Jokic for the future because Jamal Murray was different in the bubble than he was normally. That's why, because like if he was playing like this in the regular season and then it's a different transition from regular season six months ago to the bubble than from regular season to playoffs. Like Jamal, we don't know if he'll still be like the top five caliber player for point guards wise that he was in the bubble. But like when we go back to the real NBA in the regular season, do we know it'll start in maybe January, February, if Jamal Murray will be this same beast? We don't know because this was a random squirt or spurt from Jamal Murray. Um, that's my bad. But I think, also, that, I, think, I, think I, I mean, I, there's a really good debate for them to be there. But I think I have to go with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum just because of Jamal Murray hasn't been playing like this his entire career. It's just now. But Arjun – uh, you get your take in. Thank you, Ben. Um, I think that you guys have very good points. I think, Ben, you're, I love the Celtics. I love that duo, but that's a pretty weak point. I think they do accompany each other really well. They're both athletic guards, but we're going to talk about talent-wise. They're not the best talent right now. And I think potential-wise, they don't – they're not – Jalen Brown – no, Jason Tatum has a high potential, but Jalen Brown doesn't have – has doesn't have – as high of a potential as other guys. So I think that uh, Luca and Chris Stapps, my favorite duo, because I think that if we're talking about the future, let's look at the present right now. In the present, they were averaging around, uh, they were at Luca. Well, we all know Luca was averaging a crazy amount. He was averaging around 29 points per game, uh, nine rebounds. 
and nine assists. That's near a triple-double. That's, that's so close to averaging a triple-double. Now, I'm saying it's going off of pure potential because we're looking at not, not only – I don't want to seem like I'm looking at only pure talent, like individual talent, because duos are just more than that. I'm looking at the fact that this guy is a second-year player and he's averaging near a triple-double at the level of a guy like James Harden, who's been established in the league. He's an all-star – and by the time he's his second year, and he's just he's already kind of dominating the league. And then we go, we're going to flash to Chris Stapps. He averaged around 20 points per game on 10, uh, with 10 rebounds and, one, one, and two blocks per game. This guy is a defensive beast. He's a great player. He's great with the pick and roll. And I think the way they complement each other, they, they're both European. Okay, they're, they're both European. They both speak the same language. So that already has their own the chemistry of their own. But it's not only that, it's the fact of what they did in the playoffs this year. Now, Isaac, I know the Nuggets went really far in the playoffs. No, get me wrong, that, that was amazing, but they were down 3-1 both times. They, were, they, they shouldn't have been down 3-1 both times. I don't I mean, want to – okay. My, my point is that the, the, uh, the Mavs had to go up against a very consistent Clippers team in the first round, of course, disregarding Paul George. But this Mavs it. team is really not a good team. Guys, would you say that their their also, defense is pretty lousy besides – Yeah, like they have a very poor defense. And also, Isaac, I know you're about to say that the Nuggets beat the Clippers and the Mavericks didn't. Well, they also weren't having Chris Stapps, Porzingis, which takes away the argument because the duo wasn't complete. They didn't have 50% of the duo to play. They didn't have Chris And it was still a, it was still a yeah. Game 6 series. So. Yeah, and it was still a Game 6 series, which – um, I want to get on to our next topic now. Also, really quick, really quickly, Ben. Like, I think I think they can prove themselves to be like the the next best youngest duo. But I think right now, what I've seen, even in the regular season, Jamal Murray just has an incredible chemistry, especially like I said with the pick and roll. They're both great passers and they're shooters, and they're able to space the floor really well because both of them can drive. They both got good shooting and both good got good post games and they're good passers and they've got incredible chemistry with each other. So that's why I picked them. All right. So let's move on to our next topic. And I, I was mistaken last time. I thought that the spicy topic was coming. This it's coming now it's coming now. And we'll lead into you have one. Sh- you're, you're the coach. You have one shot to win and you need to pick one of these two players to shoot it. Who do you want? Kevin Durant or LeBron James or June. You can start us off here. Open shot. You fade the universe on the line with the Martians going in the death beam at Earth. You better hit it. Oh, on Kevin Durant. Come on. Want to know why? Kevin Durant's not as great of a player as LeBron James. Let me, let me, let me stop you right there. I want to, I want to get my take in for why you are exactly wrong. I got my sheet right here with everything. Wait, I wait, 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 wait. I'm already, I just got started. Oh, okay, sure. You can go. You can go. Yeah. Let me just, okay, I'll get some stuff in and you can intervene. Now, Kevin Durant has ice water in his veins and he's proved it throughout history. Yes, LeBron has gone far with farther than him in the playoffs and has more accomplishments, but let's look at the clutch. Let's look at when they both go head to head. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, head to head, 2017 NBA Finals. The fourth quarter, through all every five, through all the five games, Kevin Durant outscored LeBron 31 to 11 in the fourth quarter. In the NBA Finals, we're not talking. We're talking about 11 points in the fourth quarter. And don't get me wrong, LeBron's team was pretty no, no. Tra- terrible. Here's where I have to stop you because you're just sounding stupid. You sound really stupid right now because you're taking the stats that are misleading because LeBron James was on the far worst team you're talking about where his teammates were George Hill and beyond. But we're talking about just scoring it, just scoring by itself. Most of the time he got swept in that playoff series. He got swept in that playoff series. So of course his team was getting crushed. Most of those games, he didn't play much in the fourth quarter. He won. That was that they, they they won one game. Oh, okay. Different playoff series then. But if you really want to talk about the clutch stats, let's look at the real, real clutch stats. And here's why I'm picking LeBron James. I didn't make my point clear. I'm picking LeBron James here. Um, Field goal percentage to tie or take the lead in the final two minutes of a game ever. KD is 34% from the field. LeBron is 42. That's a noticeable difference. That's an 8% difference. But here's where it gets really good because the, the whole topic is who would you pick to shoot the final shot to win the game? When you look at game winner field goal percentage, KD is 11% on his career. 
two for 18 and LeBron is 22%. Also, KD has never attempted a playoff game winner. He's never even attempted one. While LeBron is five for nine, 55% on playoff buzzer beater game winners. I don't think there's an argument here based off those statistics. When I came into it, I was thinking it was going to be KD, but then I really looked at it and I was like, damn, this is not KD at all. KD doesn't have a single argument when you really look at the, the statistics here, because when you look at actual game winners, LeBron shoots 11% more and has shot more, a lot more buzzer beaters to win the game than Kevin Durant. And when you look at field goal percentage to tie or take the leads of playoff game, KD is 30% to tie or take the lead in the final two minutes and LeBron's 46. I mean, seriously, look at the statistics. They're the only thing to look at here. You can base it off whatever you want, but it's only statistics that can really count it here. And KD is just not as clutch as LeBron in the stats and watching them proves it. LeBron is- Okay, Ben, wait, wait, Isaac, just give me one sec. Ben, you're going out to the playoffs. I think LeBron has had a history in the playoffs of being clutch, but let's take it as, let's just talk about the entire- the entire season, oh, everything, it. everything combined. Okay, let's just go recent. Let's go through the, the recent stats. LeBron shot two for seven in an NBA Finals game in the fourth quarter. We just saw you. I know you have the stats with behind you, but let's just look at the recent clutchness. LeBron shot two for seven in the fourth quarter. He break three after three after three. Now let's look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has ice water in his veins. You want to know why I say that? Because he has more of a reputation. He has more of a reputation. Than LeBron James when it comes to questions. That's why they call him the Mamba. Not 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 like Snake for his decision, but he's that's why they call him. I don't know. The, yeah. Okay, Arjun. Arjun. The national embarrassment. I don't. I I completely agree with Ben, but I think the statistics are actually less important in situations like this. Okay. I, you know, everyone has heard the kind of bullshit that Max Kellerman said about Ig- Iguodala over Stephen Curry, but in with the general principle of what he was trying to get at, he actually has a point. I'm taking Steph Curry over Iguodala, by the way, obviously, but the idea is that it's not just about how that player performs, like, you know, like raw as a player. It's about, are you ready to step up in those moments? Like, are you ready to be that player in that moment and like, and step up to the plate? Usually you're in a situation where you have, you know, 10, uh, you have tons of fans like in the crowd, you know, that there's so much pressure on the line at the end of a game. So I think I totally agree with Ben. I just, first of all, I'm looking at right here, LeBron James, it looks like historically LeBron James has the most game winning shots of anyone ever in the NBA. And, and additionally, I'm t- even if even if KD had more, I'm still taking LeBron because I just think I just think LeBron's more apt for those moments. LeBron's more apt to take over. Like he's the guy that if you want to go out and get you a I mean, bucket like, in the moment, in that moment, like that's the guy you want. You want LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, okay. LeBron wait, Ben. Ben. What? What do you want? Prove to, to me. Let's look. Let's look at the rest of the resume. LeBron James, 2011 Dallas Mavericks. He choked for the entire series. If we're talking about just overall clutchness, Kevin Durant has never done that before. He's maintained he's never, consistent okay. play. The okay. only reason why Kevin Durant has lost in the playoffs is because he's because of West, Russell Westbrook. Okay. He's choked in the playoffs. No, 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 no. Let me, Isaac, give me a second. I, I have to, this is just so stupid. You're making the worst points because you know you don't have an argument. Because when you look at it, would you rather choke in a playoff series when you're one of the best playoff performers there is or would you rather be the player who had Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, you had a great supporting cast on your team, and you still got bounced by the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, then you went to them because they were the only way you could win. I'd rather have a player that didn't get clamped up by J.J. Barea. That's what he I would rather have. Super team. He had a super team, and he couldn't win without a super team, so he left for a better super team. That's LeBron, exactly what happened to LeBron. He couldn't win on Cleveland. I'm not, blame, I'm not blaming him, but both players made decisions. I'm not saying KD's a snake. But if we're talking about overall clutchness, he was amazing in OKC. The reason why he left is also because of Russ. You can't share, you can't be the spotlight without Russ having winner. to say something about it. That's just Arsene, how it is. This is this is a game winner argument. You need one player to make a game winner. And I'm giving you the player who has played longer, shot a lot more game winners, and has made a lot more on a higher percentage of game winners than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has never shot a game winner to tie or take the lead in a, in a playoff series ever in the playoffs. So you're telling me it's obvious that LeBron shot more. He's had like 
10 more years in his career, which obviously hasn't, but like he's had a lot more years of his career and he's always been the spotlight when he came in. LeBron was labeled as the king in high school. Of course, he's going to be the guy who take the shot. Doesn't mean he's going to make it. You're giving me. No, he's not good. Doesn't mean he's going to make it, but he's going to be, but he's, he's always been on the spotlight. Yeah, he's been under the spotlight, he shot more and he still has a higher percentage. KD has shot progressively less game winners and progressively less plus shots and missed more. He's, yeah, because because he, he's been on the Golden State team. If you're on the Golden State team, you're Steve Kerr. I would rather have I would rather have Curry taking the shot because Curry's a better three point shooter. And you know, super because if Curry's you're on the Warriors, the Warriors. I'm not saying clutch factor. I'm not saying clutch factor. But I'm saying in terms of shooting, Clay and Curry, in my opinion, are more stable. Are probably better sh- better three point shooters than um, than KD. And we all know the Warriors, the Warriors offense, they're all about three-point shooters, so they're going to want to take that. KD's shooting percentage. I don't care how many good players you have. If you're bricking shots, that doesn't have to do with your teammates being good. The amount of shots he had affects it more than if he was on the current Chicago Bulls because that team sucks. He was on a super team where, A, Curry's, Curry's a historically worse clutch performer. When you look at statistics, everybody knows that. That research is everybody that knows. Everybody knows that if they know anything about it. Then KD... He still, he has less shots in the clutch and has a lower percentage. But anyways, Isaac, do you want to get your final take in on this? I'm done with Arjun. Yeah, uh, 10 NBA finals. I'm pretty sure LeBron has only missed the playoffs once last year with the Lakers. Maybe maybe another time in Cleveland. Uh, he's been there the most. Like, I just trust LeBron far more than I trust KD to, to get me a game winner. Like we're talking I, about the, but we're talking about the the end of the shot. He had to get. He didn't even trust himself to make that shot in Game Seven in 2016. He had to have Kyrie shoot it. He didn't have to but, have Kyrie shoot but, it. There was what he wanted to. He chose to have. He no, told the coach Ty Lue that I want Kyrie taking that shot. I want him to play ISO. No, okay, no. Archer. In comparison to KD, I just trust LeBron way more. Isaac, Isaac, Isaac. So Kyrie Irving had the ball in his hands, and shot. He he went and he had an ISO against Stephen Curry. Yes. Yeah, that was planned. Curry was the weak link on the defensive end. So LeBron goes, hey, you know what? You can shoot that three. But you know who had the game-clinching block? LeBron James. Yeah, but that's not the drawing up. That, LeBron didn't – that's not yeah. a game-winning situation. No, but LeBron's that's a clutch moment, every but shot that's not a game last five minutes of the game. Of course, he had Kyrie Irving, who would be guarded by a – I mean, LeBron was being guarded by Iguodala, and Kyrie was being guarded by Stephen Curry, and that's just an intelligence thing to be like, oh, Kyrie Irving – No, he wasn't. Kyrie was being guarded by Clay Thompson, and that's the thing. They had to run a screen and roll. They could have easily ran a screen and roll with LeBron to switch him on to Curry. Kyrie was being guarded by Klay Thompson. They're both great defenders. It's not bad to have trust in your teammates to shoot. I know. I know. It's not bad to have trust in your teammates, but it's the game. It's the ending. It's the game seven. I would rather have trust in myself if I'm I'm so called, if I'm LeBron James. It was a tie game with a minute left. That wasn't the game winner. If it was the game winner, it would be in LeBron James' hands 100%. But then you go, oh, I need this guy to hit a three, and he's being guarded by Stephen Curry, pass the ball, he isos, bang, 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 Mike Breen, bang. It's definitely LeBron James. I don't see a single argument after I've looked at the statistics. There's really no argument, emotional or statistical, to pick Kevin Durant. But anyways, let's move on to our next topic, which is actually about the NBA draft. I think Isaac's been really wanting to talk about this one ever since I brought it up. So the Warriors have mentioned to anonymous sources that they are wanting to pick either Isaac Coro or Denny Ajvita. I can't pronounce his last name, but they want to pick Denny Ajvita. I'll I'll pronounce it as Denny. So Denny at the second pick over James Wiseman, they are not confident picking James Wiseman. Do you think this is a smart move? Isaac, I know this is your topic to shine. Go ahead and take it. Look, I, look, I just, this is, this is my thoughts because the Warriors, I'm not going to go as hard on it as I've gone in the past. I'm just going to go from a more logical standpoint in terms of my own trust for Steve Kerr and the Warriors management, because they've made risky moves. They've made, they made that risky move to give up D'Angelo Russell and they made this and they, you know, uh, excuse me, to pass up, to pass away D'Angelo Russell, um, and get Andrew Wiggins and, and, and their roster construction now is not great in terms of their depth, but I have trust in Steve Kerr as a coach in terms of being able to develop their players and put together a team. 
And it just seems to me that what they've been lacking in all of their years when they were seriously contending for a championship for the, I mean, you know, when you look at like, I'd say 2014 to 2019, in all of those years, they were contending for a championship. And look, they just didn't have good centers on those teams. And I think, and I think the argument against James Wiseman specifically in the center position probably is that, you know, you, you want to go with more of a veteran. You want to go with a guy in the center position who has been in the league longer, but look, they have, they clearly had faith in Andrew Wiggins who by no means is some kind of like veteran. I think we're talking about draft picks. Yeah. I know. Listen, listen, I know. I get what he's saying. Look, what, all I'm trying to say is that I think Steve Kerr, yeah, has faith in himself and the coaching to be able to put together a good team with young guys. And so then if you excuse that in terms of his inexperience, because he's, because he's just, he would just be coming to the league next year. He is the perfect fit for their team. I know. And I think, and Steve, look, he's around all of these guys. He can be humbled by these guys. He doesn't have to be the, he doesn't have to be the ball dominant player like he was before. And like he can, he can be that guy that can go get them the offensive yeah, rebounds right. and can distribute it to the guys, the shooters that they need. They need that protection inside, and and I I just think he's a perfect fit right. for their team. Okay, so you I think I like the energy that you're trusting Steve Kerr, but also I think you have it all wrong. The reason they want Denny, the reason they want Denny is because he is the perfect fit for their scheme and their team. They don't want a dominant center. They don't want a center who can. They really are trying to build the roster from at least what I'm hearing, to have Steve Kerr run the lineup where Wiggins is the three or the four. They have Denny actually at the power forward, the four, and then they have Draymond at the five because they have a lot of trust in what Draymond's done this offseason. They want to run the small ball lineup. That's what they've done the entire time. But um, also, I think Denny just fits perfectly. I agree with them that they should not pick Wiseman because, A, Wiseman had – the last time he played basketball on national television for an actual team was in what – October, November of last year. Like it's been a year since he's played competitive basketball. Like we've seen glimpses of him playing scrimmages, but what all is that going to get you? I mean, it's a huge, huge risk to be picking James Wiseman at number two. While Denny, I don't think is that big of a risk, especially since he fits the scheme perfectly where they have, he's a great playmaker. He can shoot the rock when he wants to, but, and so they have to guard him out on the perimeter and he can really do everything out there. And he also has decent height and a good wingspan. And he's also one of the best defenders in the draft. So I think he fits perfectly with the small ball scheme that they want to run. And he fits perfectly with the team they have right now, especially if they want to have Wiggins starting at small forward, that that's a perfect fit, especially with how Draymond's been developing. But I think that the reason they don't want Wiseman is because he's too big of a risk. And don't get me wrong. I love James Wiseman. I love his game. I think he'll he'll be a great player. Uh, He's a good 2K player too. But I think that the reason that they want Denny is just what I've said before. And I trust them with that pick. They could go either way. But also you said that they haven't had good centers in the past, which is completely false. In their championship runs, Bogut was very, very good for the team. He was very valuable. They haven't had a dominant. No, he, he wasn't a great player, but he was good fit for having, them. He was good. He did his role. Yeah, having a dominant center would have made those teams worse because that would have taken the ball away from Curry and Thompson and um, KD when he was there. I think that they fit it perfectly because they don't need a dominant center. They just need someone to get boards. And now they're shifting more towards the small ball. And I totally agree that that can work since that's shifting towards what the NBA is today. And I think Draymond's up for the task. But Arjun, what, what's your opinion on drafting Denny or Wiseman? Uh, see, I'm, I'm torn between here. I think I'm, I'm with Isaac. I think that they should draft Wiseman. But I do agree that Denny is probably a better fit for the Warriors. For me, it's just looking at who's a better player. I think that Wiseman is a way better player than Denny. And you know why I say that? I'm saying that because I'm looking at this right now. The Denny, Denny stats. Denny played around 22 minutes per game and averaged around nine points per game. We're proposing that you have a guy averaging nine points per game in a European league in your starting line. Now, I know the European yeah. league is sometimes people say that it's more competitive. And it's also less scoring. It's more defensive bound. And also in Europe, you play less minutes. It's a shorter game. And you also play less because you have more of a larger rotation. But also you got to look at the fact you don't look at the nine points because there's obviously if you look at a guy who's like, oh, he's only averaging like nine, five and seven. Why would he be picked number two? You got to think, why is he picked number two? He was the he was the league MVP where he was playing. 
He was the he was the unanimous MVP. You know that reminds me of Stephen Curry. Unanimous MVP. Okay, look. I mean, it's it's yeah. He, he may a, have been. I know. I I read it. Ben, I read his scouting report. Just about Luca averaged just about the same amount of points per game as Denny has, and look at what Luka Doncic is now. He averaged just about the same stat line. I'm not saying that he is Luka Doncic. But, I mean, when you look at it, it's not a scoring league like it is the NBA. He's not going to score 20 points per game as a European player. If somebody does score 20 okay, points per game. Okay, Ben, Ben. Real, ben let, me, let me just take over from here. Man, bro. You know what I think? I think that Denny is a better fit. He's a great defender because I read the report. I read the scouting report. I've seen what he's capable of. He's a great – he can play multiple positions. He's a great defender. And he can shoot the ball. But he also has weaknesses. If his main – if he mainly relies on shooting – then 20% from the three-point line is going to be a problem because he's a spot-up shooter. Never said he he, he's, he's a 28% shooter. From the yeah, I never said he would rely on shooting. But also, yeah, I know, but still, he's just, it's, that's what he does. He's, a, he's a, on the offensive end. He's a spot-up shooter. I'm, taking, I'm talking about Wiseman. We're talking about James Wiseman averaging 20 and 10. In Over four college. games. College. Yeah, four, four games. games. That's, uh, that doesn't matter. You know, I you can say a lot can change, change. but I, I beg to differ. I think a lot hasn't changed. I think he's still the same beast. But also, well, he's a, that's the biggest risk there is. is okay. November. No, wait, wait, Ben. The only risk, the only weakness to him, there were a couple weaknesses, but one was strength. I'm sure quarantine has given him plenty of time to get stronger, to get more bulky. Look, Warriors James Wiseman, right it's like now. comparing, it's like saying, if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, would you rather have Joel Embiid on your team? They already have two good, two solid big men, and they don't need Joel Embiid. Would you rather have Joel Embiid or would you rather have Rookie Rubio? You know, okay, look. Ricky Rubio is a better fit for them, but Joel Embiid's way better than. Ricky no, 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 look, look. First of all, Steve oh. Kerr. Steve, if if Steve Kerr ends up in a rocket situation, Lord have mercy. Are you kidding me? Like small ball. First of all, I'm not in on small ball at all. I think it can work if you have the right coaching. But Steve Kerr has never been like that. They've never gone all small. And if there was any team to go all small, it was the Warriors with the incredible backcourt shooting that they had. But they didn't because they need that protection at the rim. They need that rebounding. This is my case for James Wiseman. If he can be a perfect role player, I was stupid to say ball dominant. That's what I'm saying. Not ball dominant. Role player. All right. If he can get defensive rebounds for them, offensive rebounds are probably more important. If he can get some blocks in the game, box out, that's what he needs to do. Set, set screens. If he can be a wait, 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 hold on, hold on a second. That's perfect. They don't, they don't need someone to go score. They need that role player, and he could be the best center that's ever played on that team. And Stuber, if there's any team that can humble him into not being ball dominant, it's a team with Clay Thompson, Draymond. Steve, Steve Kerr and Stephen Curry. Are you kidding me? Like that's he can be humbled. He's he like, can play the role. He can. Ben, can I ask you a quick question, Isaac? Isaac, when when you look at that from the first glance, you're like, wow, that's a really good team. But also, you can't ask a 19 year old who just was the number one player in the world last time he played basketball to come into a championship team and be like, hey, buddy, you're the fifth option on this team. You can't do that. That's not going to work. About, it's not about being It's not about being an option for scoring. I'm saying in that system, I'm saying in that system, he can learn to change. It's not even changing his game. It's just taking a step back and realize. You can't ask a player at that age of that level of talent to step back. They won't do it, and it'll cause chemistry. Ben, That's why Denny – Do you up. trust Draymond Green? Do you think Draymond Absolutely. Green is still fit to run? run that that five i think draymond green is not fit to run that five i think he's oh he's he's washed now he's still They're a prepared. solid defender but he's not where he was i think wiseman is an upgrade from green i'd yeah. rather have wiseman than hey, green at this point you have marquise chris on that team and he's a very solid center so if draymond ended up not working out and you needed him to either run off the bench or run the four and put denny on the bench then you could do that but also okay, re- okay but besides him who would you who would you the bench who is their bench center besides marquise chris that's their bench center. They have two centers. Draymond. Exactly. They need. They need a Draymond starting center, and that should that should be that should be James Wiseman. That Draymond just offers you. I think Draymond's look. Okay. Also, I think Wiseman's really got something to prove. He he didn't play. He didn't play that much in college. He dropped that. You know. He he went right to the NBA. He's got something to prove. Right. People have really been doubting him for the last for the last bit. You know, because he didn't. He wasn't able to showcase his talent for that many games. If he can come into this system, I trust. If they don't take them, I don't. I think it's a bad move. But I trust Steve Kerr to be able to uh, um, incorporate a different player into that system. I just think I trust him better. No, no, no. no. We got to move on. So next, we got to talk about Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Buckets. Um, I don't think he was on the list, but 
Um, where do you guys rank Jimmy Butler among playoff performers today? Now I looked at this. I don't have like an official ranking that I can't change at all. It's pretty loose in my opinion. I, of the current day players, I would put LeBron number one and I would put Kawhi number two because of what Kawhi did in that in this playoffs where he was really, really inconsistent and lost in the second round. And it was a lot of his part. Um, but I would have to put him, I would put him, I can't, I don't have an official ranking. I didn't look at all the players and compare all that, but I can put him in the tier right below LeBron James and Kawhi. I think they're right there above Jimmy. I think he's right in that really close tier too, because when you look at it, you might be thinking it's recency bias, but it's really not because you look at Jimmy Butler, he's had, he had one of the greatest game scores, like, you know what the game score statistic is, where it just overall grades a player's game. He had that game where he had a 40-point triple-double without shooting a three. That was one of the highest game scores in NBA Finals history. It's higher than any game score LeBron's ever put up in NBA Finals history. It was an amazing, amazing performance. But overall, his game score is four higher than LeBron James's in this playoffs in LeBron, well, in the NBA Finals. And LeBron's had a very good NBA Finals. He's had a very consistent NBA Finals too. So I think that Jimmy Butler can be put in that tier two, maybe even if that tier one, depending on if he can, if he can win the series, he's in that tier one, but I put him right there below the KD or the LeBron and Kawhi tier right there. Um, but Isaac, what do you got to say about this? Yeah, I think for Jimmy's a really unique player because like the system that he's in is so influential for how he's going to perform. And it's obvious that Miami's the perfect system for him and vice versa. So we're going to see in the future with with Miami, we're going to see him continue and hopefully he can extend this series at least another game and continue his great playoff performance. I mean, I don't know where I would rank him right now in the league, but he's he's one of those guys that you want taking the last shot or in the middle of your possession running, you know, facilitating your possession at the end of the game in the playoffs. Like I trust him in the clutch. Tell me this. Where, who, how many people would you put above him? Like LeBron, KD, Kawhi, maybe would you put Giannis above him? No, I wouldn't put Giannis yeah, above yeah, him. Good. Clearly good. not in the playoffs at all. I definitely would not. Yeah. Because, good. because I mean, I just it, look, it's raw talent in the in the in terms of like the regular season it doesn't always translate we haven't seen it translate for Giannis that I, I mean that's just how it is Giannis is a better player by far than Jimmy Butler but Jimmy Butler has the clutch he's a better playoff player yeah I would definitely rank him above Giannis right. Arjun what's your take on this um you know this is this is a great case because Jimmy Butler I'm looking at these stats right now he's always been this consistent playoff like playoff performer he's always been consistent even when he was in the Bulls with Derrick Rose. So if I were to put ranking, like, are you talking about just power rankings, like right now at this moment? Playoff performers, yes. Okay, right now, I would probably put him third. right, Just just right above LeBron and Kawhi. Yes, Because same. what he's been able to do now, he, has, he did struggle a little bit in the Eastern Conference Finals. He struggled a little bit against Boston. But he had great performances against Milwaukee. That's why I think that – what you got? I'm pretty much agreeing with what yeah. you guys just said. What the thing is with with um, Jimmy Butler is if he he doesn't he has the mindset of MJ generally where it's like work hard, play harder, wake up, get to the gym at 3 a.m. But when he gets into the game, his first his first movements on the court is he wants to get his teammates involved first. He we saw for the first one of the first times in his career where he went into that game three thinking this is my game. I have to score at all, all periods. Nobody else. Like, I don't care. I think, I think that's when he's at his most dangerous when he's yeah, the no. scorer. So yeah, he doesn't really assert himself in the first half as a ball dominant score. He tries to get his teammates going like Tyler hero, Duncan Robinson. And then he kind of turns it up in the, third. okay, Ben, Ben, wait, no, you can no, say it. Just no, let no. me finish my takes. I haven't even said my take. I haven't even like gone into it. Just let me. All right. Okay. I think that, we, we still should put Kawhi over him. Do you guys all agree that Kawhi and yes. LeBron are probably both Absolutely. over him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, Jimmy Butler, I think that I'm pretty much going to say what you guys exactly said, like most, most of the part, but I think it's not just the fact that he looks to get his teammates involved. I wouldn't compare him to MJ in the mentality wise, because M, I don't know if MJ has that mentality of getting his teammates involved. It's just like, just dominate. If you're, you're, just, you're not on the court mentality, but general mentality, like the work hard mentality. 
I would compare it to more to Kobe Bryant because I think that's it's it's kind of different because Jimmy's more like okay, worth ethic. Let's look at. I think it's just more worth ethic and just working hard. He's at three a.m. doing push-ups, but I think what sets what sets Jimmy Butler apart from those other players, like say from LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, we're looking at better playoff performance in him. I think it's just the fact that he looks he looks to get his he looks to like. Right. He looks to get his teammates involved. Also, not, not LeBron. Also, but when when people talk about Jimmy Butler, they're often talking about like what he brings to the team chemistry, like his mindset, his attitude, how he involves it. But I think a lot of people forgot like how good of a raw basketball player, like raw talent Jimmy Butler is. Just stepping aside the effect that he has on the locker room, on his teammates, you know, on and off the court, he's an incredible basketball player. And he's totally showcasing that in the finals right now. And he showcased that in the playoffs and also in the regular season too. So yeah, in the playoffs, you, you got to rank Jimmy Butler yeah. pretty high. No, wait, wait, one more thing. One more thing before we end. Uh, I think it's not, it's not just about that. He's not, his chemistry thing in the past, it's either worked out or it's failed miserably. Let's just remember that. It, he, he's got a great mindset. But it hasn't always worked out. You yeah. can't say he's an amazing chemistry. He's an amazing guy. But for some teams, it just has not worked out. Yeah. That's the MJ thing that goes into tech. It's like he the the intensity that he brings to the court is like MJ's. We're like we're it's good that MJ stayed yeah. on one team with consistent players around him because if he moved around, you would see him break hell with a lot of teams, and he would be traded immediately because he couldn't play with the players because they were too wuss. Like, we saw that with the third stringers thing. That's the famous Jimmy Butler thing with Minnesota. But generally, let's move on. Um, let's talk about Coach Docs hired to the Sixers. Um, which duo do you think will be harder And once he's done with Philadelphia to coach, assuming he keeps them together, Joel, and, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons or Kawhi and PG? Um, uh, I'll start this one off. I think that... Kawhi and PG are just an overall, like, overall like, more easier, uh, easier group to coach because there's no stats that are needed for this because realistically, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are amazing, like offensive players, and they can score easily. But they're more you you should have a defensive system around them. You can you can come in as a coach. You need you need a defensive system around them. That, that's that's the whole point of them. They're both amazing two, defensive players. Two of the best defenders in the NBA. Ben Simmons arguably was the best defender in the NBA last season when he was healthy. Yeah, you need a defensive system. Offensively it's harder to coach a defensive system than a coach to balance. You can go out and say, oh, you know what, PG and Kawhi, just go out, do your thing. Just just score, pass, and do what you think. You'll do that because they're versatile. They're more versatile than those players they're more they can do more things they're better on the offensive end than both generally, those players. I generally agree with some of the stuff you're saying but I think you're wrong I think that it is the easier duo to coach would be Joel and Ben because they're at this they're generally at the same point in their career when you look at Kawhi and PG you look at the fact that Kawhi's a two-time finals MVP he's a two-time finals champion and he's really in the winning now win now do anything else later he doesn't have social social media but then you look at PG, PG's a flop when it comes to playoff performance, when it comes to winning generally. I mean, he had that one glimpse of playoff greatness in when he was before his injury that was super. Oh, yeah, the Pacers. Terrible. Yeah, but um, generally, as of recently and for like years and years in the past, he's been a bad playoff performer and he hasn't had that huge winning mentality and he hasn't been a great winner. But then when you look at Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, these are two guys that are on the ups of their careers. They have proven themselves, but they want to prove themselves even more. And those guys are both relatively young. They're, they have a good relationship and they're not at a like, okay, I've won. This guy hasn't. When you look at. Kawhi, it wouldn't it be easier to coach a veteran that's been experienced in the league than the young won. players? I can't win. But then when you look at Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, these guys have played together and they have a general there. It's not that big of an age difference. So I think that's an easier duo to coach, especially since um, you can get more um, vocal points out. You can talk to them more off the court since Kawhi is not an easy guy to reach, apparently. But Isaac, what's your take on this? Yeah, look, I, I think coaching, when you're looking at a team that you want to, you know, prepare for the playoffs, I know I talk about chemistry a lot, but look, the the they had unfortunate injuries with Paul George, but I'm not a big fan of Kawhi Leonard's um, 
you know, Kawhi Leonard's strategy. I just, I mean, it's, it worked with the Raptors, but you just, it's hard to build up team chemistry, especially as a duo that struggled. And we saw that with the Clippers. That's why I'm going to say that the Sixers duo of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, those guys aren't load managing. So however, however bad that you think that they performed in the past, I think Doc can be a good coach to bring them together, but also it's going to be easier because he's actually going to have them playing games together. Like he can figure it out. Like Kawhi and Paul George just, just straight up didn't even play that many games together in the regular season. Yeah. So you can't expect it to yeah. immediately just come together in the playoffs. That's said, what they expected. It just didn't happen. Yeah, and, said I think, and think, I think Doc Rivers can also utilize the pieces around them in a way that helps them as a duo. Cause that's what they've struggled is like incorporating not just with them, those two guys, like as a duo, but working together with the team around them. And Doc can really help out with that. So I think they're going to be a much easier duo um, to coach. I just got to say something before I pass it on. Is you said about um, how bad they've been in the past. They've had, they've been very good in the past. They, they were a team when, when they had their best roster before Elton Brand, of course, fucked around with the whole team and really kind of ruined it where yeah. he had Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. They were one very, very lucky shot away from an NBA Finals appearance where they were playing an injured Warriors. Maybe they could have gotten a ring together, which is something that Kawhi and PG didn't get this year, where they were they were a very good duo with a very good team. Like, they had a very, very lackluster team. They paid Al Horford $27 million. They had Tobias Harris $34 million. And I hate – I mean, I know to, um, that recency bias gets thrown out a lot recently, but I want to say that it's recency bias to say that this duo is bad together. Since they've been very good together in the past, they've just had a flop this past year because of a lack of a supporting cast. I think the problem was that Kawhi and PG, they had a very good supporting cast and they still couldn't get past the second round. You look at Ben, you look at ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, of course, they got bounced in the first round, but they only had Joel Embiid. They didn't have Ben Simmons, but they also had a very, very lackluster supporting cast that was washed and was a very, very bad system to run. They ran the defensive system with a very lackluster old team. And yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons aren't to blame exactly for that, but you got to keep in mind that they've just continually lost over and over again in the first round of the semifinals. For the process has been going on for five years. It's happened so many times. I feel that chemistry would be lower on the Sixers. It's harder to coach a team. It's harder to coach two players that haven't had much success lately. Let's be real. Who do you think has less hope? PG and Kawhi after losing one series, one series, just, just one year, or Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid who lost four years in a row Kawhi in the first or second round? According to the reports, I would say that Kawhi and PG have less hope since PG's not an untouchable right now. They took him off the untouchables list. They're looking for trades for him because of how bad he played and how Kawhi played and how they just didn't mesh. I know that that's one year. I don't know why. the I think the Clippers are over. But Ben, which is a bigger deal? Losing in the for five years straight in the second and first round or fourth not round not or losing one all. series? Not true at all. Because also they've been it's about a duo too. No, 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 Isaac, Isaac, Isaac. So he asked me that question. So – they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, went to a Game 7, and on the luckiest shot of his career, one of the luckiest shots I've ever seen, he sent the Sixers home where, I mean, of course, the Joel Embiid meme start, started. But also, you look at Kawhi and PG, they literally are starting to restructure the team and maybe trade Paul George because the duo didn't work together. They're already I, trying. I, I think they're overreacting with that. That's the, the thing. I think they're overreacting. The optimism there is all gone. When you look at Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, they have optimism because they have a new coach. Brett Brown really, really helped them back. I'm sure Isaac can help me with that argument. But then I think that if they can restructure that team, that team's a finals team. No question in my, in my mind. When they actually have a good roster, when they have some shooters on that roster around the duo, that's why I think they have more optimism because they noticed, hey, we have Doc Rivers. That's one hell of a coach. And we have a lot of opportunities to flip these contracts, get some shooters, get signed Joe Harris in the offseason, maybe just build a good team and go to the championship. And that's why I think that they're an easier duo to coach and there's more optimism on that side. But I think we got to move on to our next topic, which is talking about a team with not a lot of optimism, which is the New York Knicks. We got to talk about their trade targets for this offseason and their signing targets. Um, what should they go after? What should they avoid? And how should they take this offseason on? Arjun, you want to start? Uh, I think they should definitely they think they should definitely go after Chris Paul. Because we're at the point 
I think Isaac, you said this before, where the Knicks should rebuild. The Knicks' number one priority is to rebuild. Dude, they've been rebuilding for seven years. I think the idea of rebuilding with the New York Knicks has gone out of the window. I'd say just do whatever you can. I mean, you're still, you're still being owned by Dolan. You still have terrible management. But what I would do is I'd go after a guy like Chris Paul, has, who, has a lot of, who has a lot of experience. But I've heard they're targeting Victor Oladipo. He'd be a great fit. So yeah. I'd, or Van Vliet. So I would rather have – I would have Chris Paul and uh, Oladipo or Van Vliet have Barrett running the small forward position, Randall, and you have Mr. Robinson. That's a solid, right. that's a solid starting lineup. So before I pass it on to Isaac, I just have to say a lot of things about the Knicks is that – I don't think that the re- that rebuilding should ever be an option for the New York Knicks if it takes more than just an offseason. Because you're the New York Knicks. You're the New York team, and you've still never won a championship. That's disappointing. Once Dolan gets out of there, it seems to be different. But how I think you handle the, this offseason is I think that Chris Paul could be a really good trade target if you're going to get other assets. If you're going to trade for a guy like Chris Paul or Victor Oladipo or you're going to sign Van Vliet, you need to then be like, okay – we need to restructure the entire team to build a contender in the East. If you're trading for Chris Paul and just trading for Chris Paul, starting him with Kevin Knox, Frank Nittalokina, and RJ Barrett, that's a huge disappointment. You're giving up assets. You're probably giving up picks in the future to make that deal. But if you're going to make the deal for a star, you better make deals to get other players around them to build a contender. But generally, either keep Dude, the picks don't matter anymore. Either, either, yeah. either keep the team like it is right now. And, and get Cade Cunningham next year, or actually, if you're going to trade for Chris Paul, then use all of your assets you have to build a championship roster. Because damn, I, I'm not a New York Knicks fan, but I feel so bad for the New York Knicks fans because you've been suffering through rebuilds. New York should never rebuild, and they still have been rebuilding for so long. They've never gotten the championship. But Isaac, what do you got to say about this? I don't. I'm not totally against that idea, but my opinion is that they should just build up. They need to like focus on their young core. I feel like the Knicks in the past they've tried to just do like one thing, just throw in one guy, and that works. Like just stop trying to get a disgruntled star that has like. There's nothing that's gonna make a star more disgruntled than being under the New York Knicks. Like it's. I mean, stop trying to go for the easy fix. Focus on your young guys. Isaac, I wouldn't say they've gone after the disgruntled star. They've gone after Todd Gibson and guys yeah, like, after like, like just like they don't after KD because they were scared that he wasn't going to um, be his max potential that he that he can be, and that they were scared to offer. They didn't offer Kawhi because they didn't know if he was going to reject them or not. That's and just, that's just that, the Knicks. That's just sorry, the Knicks. That's just Isaac. Go I ahead. Just, I just go ahead. I, just, I think, I think that, they can go for guys like this, but they should really focus on developing instead of throwing in some guy. Focus on making sure because you have some young good guys, and you can use this draft and the next draft to or get get younger guys that you can build up. It's all it's got to be about a young core for them. Stop trying to throw in one guy and fix it, or getting these guys they're like in the middle of their career and just don't fit in well with the team. Yeah, Stop doing that and build up a young core. However you do it build up a team like the other teams have done it. Like yeah. it just, it I agree with what, what both of you guys are saying. I think that Asia, it has to be this off season or next off season. You either have this off season where you get a player like Chris Paul, Victor Oladipo, and you like build the roster around them. You flip everything you have to get a really competitive roster in the East, try to win a championship ASAP, or you delay it a year. You keep the same roster. You draft whoever you get at, five i think they have their pick and then you keep the same roster until next offseason you try to get Cade cunningham or jalen green one of those top prospects and then you do it with that huge guy because there's no there's no clear franchise player in this draft this draft isn't star-studded this draft is pretty it's generally from what we know right now not going to be a huge draft maybe it could change because we never really know what the draft class is but i think that you need to either do it this offseason or next offseason because the New York the New York Knicks fans are tired of waiting for success. So don't just trade for Chris Paul because that would be stubborn. You would just have one star. You would win about 30 games max or go all in or just tank. Just that's my decision on yeah. that. But. I think I think I'm, I'm with I'm, I, Isaac. I want to agree with you on the on the fact that they want to re- I, I would love to agree with the fact that we need to rebuild They've been doing it for seven years, and I agree they've, they've made mistakes in targeting guys like Todd Gibson, but they've also been rebuilding. They messed up with Chris Epps, of course, saying he was a perfect opportunity, and they had Mitchell Robinson, but 
I just think I think we can. I think Ben and I. Uh, can come yeah. to, I think we all can come to a conclusion that Knicks need to make a decision. I, I think, think the Knicks that. need to make a decision fast. The final thing I gotta say is, a team that's based the only team based in New York should never rebuild. It should always be contending, and it's never. It's barely ever contended. But let's move on to the last thing I actually want to talk about today, which is back to James Wiseman. But we're talking about a different comparison. Um, who's the best player in this draft between these two players? It's not the best player, but who's the better player in this draft? And who do you have more trust in on Yeka Kungwu or James Wiseman? Uh, Isaac, you can start this one off. Yeah, Isaac, you start this one off. Um, okay, I think I think Wiseman probably has a taller ceiling, but, uh, but Kungwu is probably a more reliable player. Uh, that's what I would go with based on, you know, cause you've seen, you've seen more from, you've seen more from him in college and his stats are, his stats are very impressive and it's always really hard to tell how they're going to do. And it's going to, it obviously really depends on the system you put them in, but if you put a Kongwu in a good system, it's clear that he can really, he can really advance into a really good player. So can James Wiseman. I think he's a safer, he's definitely a safer bet. But I mean, but I think Wiseman has a, a like a taller ceiling. Yeah. So before I pass on to Rashid, I think that the general consensus from the American basketball fan would be that James Wiseman is the better player. But when I re- when you really look into it, I think that a what you said basically re- rewording what you said that Onyeka Kungu has a way higher floor than James Wiseman and has a slightly lower ceiling. Where James Wiseman could be one a top three center in the league where I don't see Onyeka getting that high. I just think that Onyeka is very – there's very, very little bust material in him where I think his only flaw is, like, you don't know if he could run the stretch four because he's not really great at spacing the four. But James – like, Wait, but statistically, he has no glare, he has no glaring weakness statistically. Yeah, like, he has no actual in-game weakness. Like, it's just that, like, you don't know if he can play the four. You can only play him at center, which is not a huge weakness. Like, he's just going to be good. Like, you know that you're not going to get an Anthony Bennett. You know you're not going to get a Mo Baba. You're going to get a very good player who's maybe his ceilings, like, up there with, like, Rudy Gobert. Like, those types of players. Like, they're not superstars, but you get that. James Wiseman, on the other hand, he could either be very, very good or very, very disappointing. We haven't seen him – again, we haven't seen him play since November, but also – he relies a little bit on shooting and he really can't shoot that well. Again, I love James Wiseman. He's a great guy, great basketball player. But when, he, when it comes down to it, I think he has the higher ceiling by far, but he also has the way lower floor, especially with how little he's played recently. He has a kind of a low IQ when he gets on the court. Both great shot blockers, but I would rather take on Yeka Kungwu. I think he's the better and way safer bet. But Arjun, what's your take on this? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much with you guys too. I think that, James Wiseman has more overall talent, and you're you are taking a chance, but he's I think he's more skilled of a player. Like he's just more of a threat as a player. But we're looking at I'm looking at a Kungu's stats right now, and it's pretty mind blowing because I mean his 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 free throw percentage is really good. His his ability to get to line is really good. But I think it's not just that; it's the ability that he can play multiple. He, I mean, he can play the, the either forward position three, four, or five, and he can do it really well. I think it's not just about that, but he has more muscle, more overall strength than Wiseman, which is, I think, the deciding factor because yeah, Wiseman do. does bolt like the bully in the paint, but Onyeke would do it. It's just he's just stronger. So that's, yeah. that would be the I think it, it totally comes down to the franchise because I think these players are around the same level when it comes to, like, oh, you get the guy with the highest floor in the draft or the guy with the highest seat or like one of the highest ceilings in the draft. I think LaMelo has the highest ceiling, but the lowest floor by far. No, it depends on how much you have to lose. If you're a franchise, how much you have to lose. When it comes down to a franchise, like if you're a franchise, that's like, you can take the risk. If you can take the risk, then if they're both available, you take Wiseman. But if you're the Detroit Pistons, you take on Yika Kongu. Cause I think that's the situation they'll be in. I think Wiseman white might fall to seven where they're picking. So I think if you're in that situation, I would pick on Yeka Kungwu because I think he's he's the far safer bet and you need safe bets on this roster right now. You need to continue to build this franchise. But I think 
if you're a situ- if you're in a situation where your team can take the hit if he's not what he lives up to be, then you take James Wiseman. But I don't think James Wiseman like has huge bust material. But I think Onyek is just such a safe bet. And yeah, also he's, he's general level. I think he's on the James same general level. Wait, as- Ben, Ben, let Lazy talk. Yeah, no, I'm just. No, yeah, no, I to- I totally agree. Yeah, but yeah, I just think that he is the higher floor, and I think that's all I gotta say there. But I think that'll be it for us today. Um, but before we go, the way I, I, I always have to do it. You gotta plug the merch. Or I mean, merch, guys. Using it on. I'm the only one with it on. But I don't have it on. But you know what? You can go. You, you can go to the link in our Instagram bio. If you're still watching, you don't. You should have one. Yeah, it's, it's like there's masks, so you don't get the Rona. Uh, you don't get. You can get puppy hoodies. You can get blankets. You can get posters. You can get anything. It's cheap. It's affordable. It's comfortable. Um, so Isaac, what, Isaac, what's the best part about the hoodie? Oh, it's so like it's it's so comfy. It fit me perfectly immediately. It's incredibly comfy. You can see, the, comfy. Buds. You can see so, the fuzz in there. Oh, that's nice. That, that's nice. It's all you know, like it's it's really good. Only twenty five dollars for the hoodie. Like that's really quality. Yeah, I think that that's it for us today. Um, signing off. We'll see you guys again soon and later.